dad in World War II And I was there in Korea One of many defending you And I lost a son in Vietnam Who was fighting for the free And I thank you, old flag of mine For what you mean to me I will start about Emmett Jr.'s experience in the Marine Corps and the uh, Yellow River fight in the Battle of Korea. I think it's 1950 in the late uh, early winter, December anyway. And I'm just telling it as best I can remember it when he told me when he came back and some other things that I've learned. But he he had been in the Marine Corps for two or three summer sessions and had been out to Dago taking his boot camp and he'd had quite a little bit of training and Les Proctor was his commanding officer. And they were out in Dago, and I prevailed upon Les in the uh, late fall to try to get him his orders to go on overseas so he could get a little experience in the Korean conflict. And, and Les did that. He got him sent over. But the, uh, either the Emmett was either in the 5th Marines or the 7th Marines, but one of them or the other relieved the, the other one up at the, up at the front. And uh, they had gotten up to the Yalu River the, uh, to really make this relief uh, movement when uh, the Chinese entered the war, and they entered the war just about dark, or at one night, and Emmett was telling about it. He said they had, uh, they were standing around in their tents, and none of the boys that were up with him, very few of them had ever been in combat before, and they heard all this hell break loose, and the bugles were blowing, and fire, shots were fired, and there was just a battle going on, and they'd never been in one. Well, they had, a, of course, the, they uh, had a staff meeting immediately of the, of the two battalions of the Marines that were up there, and and I talked to a major who was in at the staff meeting uh, later on when he came back to Austin, and he said that uh, they tried to, to figure out what the situation was, and it was hard put to it because they didn't know that the Chinese had entered the war and in such fast order. But they finally figured out what it was, and they knew that the, the men they had out on perimeter defense were not going to last long, and so they reinforced them with the, uh, the battalion that was already there and had a little bit of battle experience. And then they were going to put Emmett's battalion out uh, the next morning. And they were bringing in the wounded and trying to get the material ready to everything shaped up to where they could leave the next morning. And um, the uh, CO sent one man out on perimeter defense and, and told him to hold the lines and, and keep the Japanese or the, the Chinese from coming in on them. And this boy asked him, I said, uh, I said uh, uh, Major, what, what's my secondary objective? He said, you don't have any secondary objective. He said, you stay there till you die. You don't let them in. And that was his orders, and that's what happened in many, many cases. But anyway, by daylight, they had uh, gotten this thing pretty well underhand, and they'd uh, made arrangements for air support to hit the, Jap uh, the Chinese line by daylight. And they'd gone up and put out their markers uh, where the, our lines would be on the snow, and, of course, it's freezing up there. And, and so Emmett was up by daylight with a, a boy from, from Tennessee, one of his friends. I believe the boy's name was Brewer. And um, he said they were laying on the bellies because they didn't have any tools that could dig a foxhole. Said that the Chinese had all their good good equipment. They had picks that they could dig with and they, in the frozen ter uh, terrain. But said the equipment that they had issued the Marines there, they couldn't dig in. They got breaking the handles with them. But anyway, he was laying down at daylight when the Corsair, first wave of Corsairs came in to support them and said they right down on the deck and said when they... They uh, saw the markers, and they cut the rockets loose under the wings, and it's right over the, over him. And, and he thought they had made a mistake and dropped the, dropped these on him. Of course, they shot right on out ahead and hit right where the Chinese were entrenched. And they said that the uh, Sir Corsairs would come in, and they'd cut these rockets loose. 
and then they would uh, uh, try to come out of the foxhole, and they'd drop the napalm on them, and just they'd come, they'd just be in flames. They did, and then they'd, if that didn't get them, they'd try to cut them up with the propellers. That's where the the Marine air support was on that occasion. And he said, of course, they never, uh, from the time that he went out on perimeter defense, he didn't. He didn't come in. He was, until she was wounded, he didn't come in. And out of the 60 men in his platoon, only 18 of them survived. Uh, and uh, all of them had frostbite. Well, right at the time that this was taking place, and we knew the only information we had was that, that all the Marines were being decimated. And I just figured I'd lost my oldest son and he was dead. And I was up at Fredericksburg hunting, and I got a long-distance telephone call that uh, came from... Uh, San Francisco. Clement called us and told us he was home, and then we called Sadie Eccles, who happened to be out there, and told her to go by and see him at the hospital. Emmy Jr. had been flown back from uh, Japan, uh, and when he got to San Francisco, somehow or another, he, uh, Sadie found out about it, and she phoned on <coughs> that after he got down to the sea, they took him on into Tokyo by ship, as, uh, all those that they could. And, and said he was in the hospital. He thought he was dead. He had just, all his, his hands were both black and his feet were frozen and his hide had come off of him. And he thought he was in bad shape. And uh, a, a doctor came along and looked him over and he said, Son, you're going back to the States tomorrow. And uh, they flew everything back to the States that could fly at all. Now, there was a course of propaganda about that Korean conflict in that Yalu River was it. They minimized him. But they had every man, uh, I think every man in that conflict perhaps was a casualty. But uh, they flew everyone on back that could fly to the United States, and now he was flown back to the United States for medical attention, and he had frozen hands and frozen feet. So he hit San Francisco, and I got this call in Fredericksburg, and of course, uh, I came on to Austin, and I got in touch with him somehow out of my phone, and he told me that they were going to send he and a uh, whole plane load of boys that were with him <clears throat> on over to some base in Florida get them just as far on the east coast as they could because they were filling all the hospital beds up on the west coast and, and all over the United States and the marine bases and naval bases. So he told me when he would be in, in San, they were going to come through Lake Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. So I went down with Elton May and we met him at Lackland one afternoon there and there's four or five of these boys with him and I met them and uh, when I mentioned a while ago that the veterans of Iwo Jima, that were just a short time after that battle and they were still very, very godly. And um, Emmett Jr.'s boys, they just looked clean. They had been uh, out of battle only about a week, and maybe maybe a little over a week, not over 10 days that they were out of that conflict, and, and uh, they they had not been tainted yet by civilization, and they were the cleanest individuals that <clears throat> I believe I ever saw. And when I say clean, <clears throat> I mean clean from the inside out. I want to thank you, old flag of mine, for what Like granddad. 
my dad in World War II And I was there in Korea One of many defending you And I lost a son in Vietnam Who was fighting for the free And I thank you, old flag of mine For what you mean to me When shells are fired upon you From some foreign shore And some fool tries to burn you Just makes me love you more And I'd proudly take up arms again To defend your gallantry I want to thank you, old flag of mine For what you mean to me And when my tow-headed grandson Finally turns into a man I pray that God will grant him The will to understand How very special you have been To those who are living free I want to thank you, old flag of mine For what you mean to me I want to thank you, old flag of mine For what you mean to me